There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company. And the truth shall set you free! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Great moments are born in great opportunity. All right, we're here in Las Vegas. Came out here for the Trial Lawyers University conference. We are, what, two days into it? John, Keela, and I got Justin here, and we figured it's about time to kind of check in with everybody and let everyone know how the event is. Um, the event's kind of interesting because it's got a bunch of seminars, but then it's also got breakout rooms, which are much more smaller groups, dedicated substance and material. And the one I was in today, for example, only had maybe five or six participants. So what's really cool about that for me is like today I had Matt Stump who works with Brian Panish and he's out here on the West coast and they do crazy numbers and do phenomenal things for their clients. So to have access to somebody like that, showing us their PowerPoints, explaining how they put together the story, that's the kind of stuff I came out here for. So two days in, I got to say, I'm already pretty pleasantly surprised as compared to some historical. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, like, look, a lot of times what's interesting about this particular one is there's like eight different tracks, right? There's like Wada or Spawn and Auto, Titans of Trial, um, employment, MedMal, like so very, you know, if there's like one thing you want to focus on, that's just the main section. And then you've got obviously the smaller breakout one. I mean, I did the the marketing one, which obviously that's important to me. And, um, and then we did one with John Romano, which was explaining basically your emotional injuries. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's also something that I've noticed is it really demonstrates like there's spectrums of individuals who have and have not tried cases. And, like, I think it becomes not, like, apparent, but you can tell, like, obviously people there to better themselves, but, like, some people I feel like don't have any idea whether it's per trial or sometimes what they're talking about. And I'm not talking about the instructors. There's a law student attending, someone currently in school. Someone in my breakout group today has been a paralegal for, he didn't say how many years, but clearly he's been doing it a while. He's got a good grasp of how to work up a case. But he just either took and is waiting for the results or just found out he passed the bar waiting to be sworn in. Either way. But I have to say, it's, it's like... Seeing that, I mean, what, I'm only eight years in, but even just seeing that gets me excited because I know that there's enough people out there even coming behind us who want to do great things for people. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned John Romano, um, who's from West Palm Beach, you know, mm-hmm. down by us. You come out here, you know, we're in Vegas. There's a lot of West Coast influence. It's nice to see some heavy hitters from Florida come and, you know, and hold it down because – I don't know. I mean, you said Titans of Trial. I know that's like a track here. It's a phrase. Yeah, it's one of the track. But I mean, I've never seen this many heavy hitters in our profession gathered, not just like together to hang out, but just impart wisdom. Yeah, just giving their giving their insight, like what they you know have. So it's definitely like different ranges, like you were saying, John. And it's it's exciting to me to see the ranges because it shows me sometimes through their questions too. You can learn from everybody. You know, so because you have this amount of experience, this law student might ask a question that, you know, bring makes you think about an issue differently. And like you said, the heavy hitters, I mean, I'm just meeting them. Um, It's so cool to see. I I was with Eric Romano uh, today and tomorrow I have his uh, his dad, John, and I heard him in the trucking cases, for example, and I learned just about insurance from a from a very basic standpoint. You know some of the insurances to look after, but they impart these just minute issues or things that you look for. It's like, oh right, you know, that's a good idea, you know. 
Well, well, that's the thing. You got to put it into like practical application. We, you know, it's also, I think about obviously, you know, me and running and what, what like David Goggins, we talked about like, oh, that's great. Like you can be super motivated. Like you get juice, you hear these, and that's what we're doing. We're seeing this, we're getting, but if you don't go back and put it in practice, it's just, you know, it's like what he says, like you might be super motivated, but then when you're in the suck, you know, that motivation, if it's not like there, you got to like work through it, you know? Yeah. Well, highlights for me, I mean, there's a lot to mention, but I think just top of mind. So you and I, we went and we watched uh, the partner from Arnold and Itkin yes. from Houston do mock Wadir. Mm-hmm. He basically showed you everything he does. And, like, two things. Uh, every case, every single case, doesn't matter the jurisdiction, he's filing a motion to increase the panel size. He wants 100-plus. Uh, and the way he explains it beyond the practical benefit of just having more people to choose from ensuring the the likelihood to get fair jurors he's like i explained to the judge your worst fear is essentially busting this panel and wasting your time so instead of just pretending like 23 or 30 is going to be enough just give me 100 let's take the time and let's get this case over with the same guy said he also files motions to pay increased juror pay that was that was that was mind-blowing i never even thought about that i mean because by the way to be clear we're not talking about like Slipping jurors money. We're talking <laughs> getting the court's permission to say, what's their per diem? $15, $20 a day? Don't tell them who's paying them, but tell them if you sit on this case, we'll pay you two or $300 a day. And he had a reason for it. It wasn't just for the sake of like getting jurors interested. Um, there's a, his thesis was basically a lot of highly educated people, nurses, doctors, lawyers, engineers, and others. That money's not going to make a difference to them. But generally speaking, those people are very detail-oriented and not always the best jurors. But the other side of the spectrum of people who may not be as educated or may not have as demanding of jobs, they can't afford financially to miss work, no matter what their boss says. And so by doing this, you kind of put them in a spot where, hey, this might even be a net positive for me. I can be fully invested with my time. And sounds like he, those motions get granted pretty routinely. Well, you know, it puts – sometimes they split it, defense and plaintiff. So it's not like he's play, paying it all himself. And what's interesting is that when they file the motion and then, you know, it's like Exxon, it's like, I'm not paying that. Judge is like, you're not paying half? You know, you don't want to pay that? So it kind of puts some pressure on them. It's kind of like what we do when somebody's like they're challenging authenticity of a document. Like you're chal- yeah. you, we're bringing in records custodian like – well, Judge, I mean, just because I, you know, have to. Well, but, you know, it, it left me with this thought, which is like, you look at these, you know, lawyer websites and you see all these results of other people in the field. And some of them are just have these numbers. <clears throat> and you really just stop and think, you're like, on some level, I just can't even fathom how they got any case to $300 million, whatever, single plaintiff. But then you hear all of these little things that they're doing differently, creatively, um, and it, it makes sense, you know, because if you're, if you're doing it, everything like everybody else does it, you should probably expect results like everybody else gets, but these people are out there and more important than anything else to me is that they're really sharing, you know, they're not just out here glad handing people saying nice to meet you, but it's all mine. They're sharing PowerPoints, you know, they're closings, they're showing you how they do Vadar. I mean, um, today he gave us a copy of his call, like how he goes through cause challenges. Yeah. I mean, Showing you how it, how it gets done the right way, uh, and I'm excited to put that like in action when we get back. God, we got to try cases. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, we I want to get back in the trial, and we've got a couple. I don't even think we have anything coming up. We've got like Vargas coming up. We've got 
the chicken nugget case. So the little girl got burned. So we've got a lot of, you know, which, why are we asking for like 45 million? Yeah, that's, that's another thing. I'm left with the impression I used to think, was it just a West Coast thing? No, it's not. It's just people are, these, a lot of these lawyers who are getting big numbers are not being their own limiters. We had Joe Friedon talking about that. Don't be your own limiter. And now I see other people who are great, just like Joe, saying and doing the same thing. So clearly there's something to it. Probably he was like, yeah, he was like, well, I was like, what really put you on the map? He's like, well, he went out to Hawaii, he got like a $400 million verdict. Yeah, but when you try it all, what do you say? They tried 60 cases in their first two years. Yeah. So, you know, they got their teeth kicked in a bunch of times and, and learned how to, he had the analogy. What do you say? He's like, um, he showed a picture of the tape, the cassette player. With a mixtape, he's like, everybody's out here practicing law like we're still listening to mixtapes. Yeah. I'm trying to be practicing like I'm in the metaverse. Not yeah. literally, but just as a metaphor. Like innovation can help and like not just technology, but in ideas. And I think that, I mean, I would have never thought to pay Jerry's money. Ever. You know? And that, that was the one thing that resonated with me. Like, uh, that's well, how often? We've all experienced it. If we really stop and think probably more than we even realize or remember, the juror, we're like, well, I love this person. She's great. Whatever. But they have work that they can't miss or childcare that they can't afford or whatever it is, you know? And I mean, we haven't put this into practice yet. I don't know if judges of Florida or Georgia are going to grant it. I don't know these things. But I know that conceptually, there was like a shift in my mind where I was like, now I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to question everything. Like every procedural component of the case, is there a way that we could turn it to give more leverage to getting a fair fair and favorable result? Um, There's just... uh, Another thought I had, you and I were in a class yesterday with John Romano. And what did he say about TBIs? A TBI is the amputation of your soul. Yeah, a traumatic brain injury is the amputation of one's soul. I know for sure I never said that before in a case. Never. You know, we but just I kinda... know when I heard it, the impression it left on me, you know? Uh, you know, something I heard um, today, a, a really good analogy, but also question. So they were asking, like, okay, well who were athletes, right? Who in here were athletes? And we think about professional basketball players, football players, and you just start going backwards and say, okay, they, they make this amount of money, right? They went to college, they did it in high school, middle school, you know? And then, so the, the analogy they were drawing was how long it took for them to really become a professional in their craft and then kind of put it to lawyers, right? We don't start, really until 25, around the time we graduate from college, and then we can actually start with the practice of law. Even if your undergrad was poli-sci or anything, like you're not practicing the craft until you actually go to law school. And then after that, we all know how law school works and whether you uh, intern or clerk, but they watch film, right? They, They look at the playbooks, they study it. And so then he asked that question, which I thought was a good question. When's the last time you went to a trial and watched someone else in trial? Like this conference, one thing that it does is bring all of these, all of this experience together in one place and kind of, you know, it's like uh, trials on steroids, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And so it, to me, it just like, it pumps me up, like gets me ready to be like, what's our next trial? Like I'm yeah. ready to put this stuff in place, but also keeping in mind, like, yeah, we should be checking out some of these trials, especially, like, some of them are on Zoom. Sometimes I well, check out CV, They're CBN. Yeah. With, yeah, a bunch. With, like, you know? yeah, so the benefit is, is, you know, as a young lawyer, I remember I used to go and sit in and watch people, mm-hmm. right? 
But now there's court reviewer network, so we can watch John Romano. We can watch Brian Panish. We can watch what they do there. We'll get back to your goggles, but that's what we need to do that collectively. The we, I mean, it, you're never too old to learn, like that kind of thing. We, you know, we're here. I want to take this back and continue to watch these people, continue to reach out. I also like that a lot of the people here, actually everyone, to there are no exceptions to this. Every presenter I've been with has repeatedly said, "Email me when this is done." Not just like, "Let me know if you want a form." I'll do another Zoom, and then another Zoom, and then another, because rising tides lift all boats, and that's something like I personally subscribe to, but to see the people that they have every reason not to give back of, with their time or anything else, and yet they're doing it, um, and I think there's a, there's a collective win there, because, uh, what was it today? They were saying, like, you, we want to stop insurers being like, this type of case isn't worth shit, because no one's tried it and gotten a big number, so like, if if another firm gets a big number, it helps us because then we could point to that firm's outcome and say to the insurer, look, this case is worth that. I don't know. I just really love the collegiality, camaraderie. It's a very, it's an overwhelmingly positive experience. And I think these conferences, I mean, I'm, I'm just a skeptic in my heart. So I came, I was like, I don't know about this, but it's been, it's been, really you know, it's pretty big, pretty, the big national ones I think are really good. I mean, not, not to say like FJ and the workhorse isn't a good one because I think it is like Florida's got some of the top lawyers in the country. You know, um, you know, but to come out here and see like a different perspective of like people from Kentucky, people from Texas, people from California, people from Nevada, you know, and seeing how they approach things. And, and honestly, there's kind of like a uniform like idea behind trials. Right. Like it's not, you know, it's weird because a lot of the things that they're talking about doing that it's like reaffirming like we do that, you know, like the, the big is like you got to have demonstrators for everything. We do that. You know, I, you know, and we saw one of the preventers, they were showing some demonstratives. I thought they kind of were terrible. You know, the one that we work with, with Radview out of Florida, I think is exceptional. Now there's ones that work on liens. So that might be something that's advantageous for the clients. Maybe. No, but the, I mean, but how exciting is, is it to know that we're on the right track, correct. you know, you know, but then we learned that some things that we didn't do right, you know, which are, which is, we are not deep enough. Like in our cases, when I feel like I'm in my case, I, I'm not deep enough. It's like, have you talked to the coworkers? Like in person, if you talk to, you know, various things. I mean, you know, the last trial we tried, the guy was telling you, Jordan, that, you know, we should have flown to Colorado and saw the bunny slopes that she went down when they tried to yeah. make a big deal about that and show, like, this is what it was. Trial lawyers, the, the, the nation's best trial lawyers, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but the ones that are here presenting and that I've had a, the privilege of listening to, it strikes me that they are thinking about trial always. Not most of the time, not when they can, always. And I think back to our day to day, and it's much more of a grind. The pleadings, the discovery, you know, the fights back and forth. And I think, like, on some level, you get too lost in the weeds. Even if we're doing an effective job, like, that's the whole point here. This is not like, even if you're doing your client service and moving the ball forward and, and winning some of these discovery battles, the point is it's taking your time and mental energy from ultimately where you want to be, which is trial. Because even if you never get to trial, somebody was explaining this in the presentation, like, you want to be able to show up at mediation and have that adjuster. They're never going to tell you, but tell, have that adjuster tell outside counsel, what the fuck are you doing that, the, like, they see this thing all the way through. They know the witnesses they're calling, every nuance of the case, and you're over here writing memos on discovery. I don't, you know, yeah. I feel like we're, we're, we're missing here. We got to pay this. Well, sometimes I have, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say on one of our, um, not the panels, but somebody um, that's a participant, it used to be an adjuster. Right. And imparted knowledge on us with that. They're like, listen, 
they set a number in the beginning, right? They set this number. And so if you send a demand letter, it's going to be harder. I'm summarizing a lot of what he said, but you know, it's going to be harder for them to get more money on the file. But that's great. Um, yeah, it Cause, is. Because we don't like, look, as much as we talk about this, we I don't want them to pay. Some clients you do. Well, well you look, know? you've got to decide which, you're, which case you're trying, which case you're settling. Well, I think the point from that with like setting the reserves or whatever they're going to call yeah, them exactly. in the, is we don't want to be in a position where it's a case that probably should settle, but it doesn't for some stupid reason like that. Right. Like the reserves are set too low because we got involved in the case like too late from the standpoint of like really with the good, knowing the good evidence, knowing the good witnesses. Um, I mean, look, honestly, honestly, I fall, pr I, I'm, it's really giving me something to go back and work on because before and after witnesses, when I answer initial discovery, I'm thinking about it, and I'll confess, I'm probably not thinking about that until I know we're like a month out from trial. And can we be effective like that? Of course. But is that the best way to practice? Clearly not. These top dogs are out there nonstop prepping for trial. I mean, that's like how you said, like summarizing. I mean, you know, but that's all they're thinking about. And the results clearly show that that's a winning mindset. Yeah, know? I mean, I got to go up to... Long Island, you know, here soon. You're coming with me because it's cold. So, but no, like to meet a client, talk to the family, see where they go, talk to like, you know, old coworkers on a case we're going to trial in March, yep. you know? And so like now we're what, five months out? So it's like, you know, we've done so much work on a case that like, bro, the, the, the incident occurred uh, nine years ago. It's going to, by the time we go to trial, it will have occurred nine and a half years ago yeah. and she's still treating I'll confess, I got frustrated watching one of these because they were showing a timeline from their closing. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, go back. You got to trial in like 14 months? Like, yeah, I was like, man, I know courts are busy. There's no, there's, yeah, there's very limited we could do to control that. Yeah, but, but was yeah. that in Los Angeles County where they have like 600 judges? It was a California case. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's that many, but no, we've got, like, we've gotten a trial pretty quick. We've got a trial. I'm just months. saying, on average, you, you know, that's not. Yeah, these big cases where they're like disclosing experts late, and you know. Well, how about how about another tip too? I don't know. I think I heard it was yesterday. Maybe it was today. They were like, "Okay, so you're talking to your client. How are you talking to client? Uh, on the phone. Okay. Do they come to your office? Yeah, they come to my office. Do you go to their house? Yes. No. Yes. Whatever. And then they're like, "How many of you video record your client? I'm like, I don't ever do that. Like, honestly, I don't. I don't even think about it. Like, I will sit there with an iPad. I'll tell them I'm going to record this. I'll start recording. They'll be in my office. And I'll just start with like five minutes just to get them to almost forget the cameras there. And then I'll start going into what I know a depot will be like, pressing them on all kinds of issues. And then I'll stop. And right there. Now let's watch it. Like, you see how like, see, you see how your affect is like you don't even care about yourself? Or, or like they'll, it'll jog like, oh, why didn't I say this? Or I probably should have gone further about that. Well, I mean, it's, I really need to elevate. I'm, I'm taking away from this. Like, I need to elevate my like depot prep. Just yeah, bro, they're like we, we have like multiple days. I'm like yeah, two three days. I'm like oh, I have like two hours day for the depot. Like you good? It's but it's tough. like, but the thing is, I, I mean, I think on the bigger cases, we've we've always given the attention to it. Yeah, it's not even a slight about how we practice. It's more just like an appreciation of uh, being more focused on the things that clearly end up paying dividends in the end. And that's the name of the game. Client wants the biggest recovery. We want the biggest recovery for the client. So instead of like approaching all tasks with the same degree of vigor and effort and like enthusiasm, it's like 
think we need to, that's what I'm taking away. It's like, I need to prioritize uh, client prep, witness prep, identification of witnesses. Um, We're going to drive a case. Another thing that this, I mean, every convention I've ever been to or conference has vendors. I mean, I understand it, but there's been a wide array of vendors and um, some of the ones that are doing demonstratives. I don't know. There's just a whole, I'm realizing there are a lot more resources available to us than I'm aware of. And this just gets back to the earlier point. Oh, depot like, summaries. Yeah. Like sometimes I'm just lost in the weeds and not realizing there's perhaps a better mousetrap out there to help make things better, do it more effectively and efficiently. I mean, that's the idea. You want to streamline your cases. You want to streamline your trial preparation. And I don't need to read every single depot. You read the depot and tell me what's important. I won't do that for you. Bro. <laughs> well, not you. I mean, I there's, know, a, there's a vendor that does that. You know, there's a vendor that does that. There's the vendor that, so they're doing like like virtual assistance. Isn't it like doc review? Like the people, who, well, I don't know. But like if you do doc review, don't you look at like a law firm tells you what they're looking to find? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's the same so concept. Like, yeah. Interesting. yeah, they just give you a summary of the depot. Yeah, the whole yeah. point is like there's that a lot of tools available tools outside third parties whatever Medcrons. to free us up as yeah. a trial lawyer so like to be honest somebody else look at these medical I did, I did it for, for no i did it for like esquire tech yeah. you can literally go online upload all of the medical records and they'll put it all together a single pdf tape like the medcron links show you what's missing there may be some record you're missing in there like so, you know how like People like say, oh, I practice door law. Anything that comes to the door, whatever. They're like a generalist. And then you get people who are specialists. Even us, like, oh, single plane of personal injury is like our bread and butter. And then you could get even more specialists. Nah, I only just do trucking. I'm now convinced, like, just sitting here thinking about it, being a trial lawyer is actually even further than of a specialization than I even thought. It's not just a lawyer who happens to try cases. Like, these titans of trial that you're talking about, that's I'm like I don't want to sound like a dead horse, but it is literally all they're doing and all they're thinking about. They're not simultaneously trying to be the best legal researcher, the best motion practice, the best at propounding discovery, whatever, the best rainmaker. Like they're not focused on all of that equally. They are focused on their craft, which is trial. And honestly, it's really making me feel like uh, even specializing more and freeing ourselves up. All of us. Yeah. I know so, Ray's not so, out here. So but like, Fisher and David were looking for litigation lawyers, non-trial, uh, to uh, no, join No, people want to get experience and learn how the case is made. And I'm not talking about like turning a blind eye to cases. I don't get that impression either. They're definitely they're hands-on, but just in a different way. They don't have their hands on every last thing. They're hands-on the people who have their hands on it, you know? And I think, I don't know, the results don't lie, you know? You know what I also heard today? What? The MRIs don't lie. And that's something that we used in Lorna Stennett. I was going to say, did you hear a presenter say that? Yeah, he was like, the MRIs don't lie. You know, that's what we used in, in our, like, that's the thing. Like, when I talk about affirmation of, like, things we're doing, like, that was something we used in the case. Because they were like, oh, she's not hurt. And I'm like, it's on the MRI. It's right there. So in Marsha's case, remember there was, like, some testimony that she, like, forgot her keys or, what was it? Forgot her keys, phone, pin number, whatever it was? Yes. Pin number? So I was just talking on a break, and he's like, what did you do with that? I was like, uh, what did I do with that? We elicited that and kept it moving and just argued later. This is evidence. Well, no, she had, remember, she, there was no pin. The phone she had, it was like a cracked phone. There was something she forgot. I don't remember what it was, but it was like. It was, she so couldn't remember the pin. She couldn't remember the pin, so it was an unlocked phone. Yeah, it was, it was unlocked I thought there phone. was something else. Well, I, I, thought, think she, I think so it might have been like certain date. 
flight uh, when she got on the wrong flight. Maybe it was. There was some forgetfulness thing anyway. And he was saying how in like mild TBI cases, like if you have any evidence of forgetfulness, he's like, just spin it into a number where like statistically it, it starts the significance of it. Starts to make sense. Like, ladies and gentlemen, let's just say she forgets her keys or like where to turn off for work, whatever it is, pick it once a week. One thing, one small thing a week in a vacuum, no fucking big deal. Who hasn't done that? I probably did that five, 10 times a year. But she works 50 weeks a year. That's 50 times a year on average she's doing that, probably even more than she remembers. Is that normal? You're saying a normal person forgets their keys or forgets their pen? like 50 times? 50 times a year? No. That's the brain injury, folks. And you think it's going to get better or worse? You know, he's like, and then you can confront the defense expert with that. Like, that's the stuff, like, when you're prepping, get it out. Get it out from your client in the depot. He's like, when the defense, somebody said, like, you know, the defense, oh, what can't you do now that you could do? Like, all that generic shit. Not enough. Press your client, press your own client further sometimes. I got to follow up for that. Blah, blah, blah. Get all the examples out because you know the defense expert's going to have to read it. He's like, don't give the defense expert a freebie. I read the plaintiff's transcript and she didn't really say anything. She just said, you know, get it all out so that you can confront the defense expert. Like, that's normal to you? Yeah. I think, I think the other one was insomnia because, like, think about it. The one, what's the most important thing to, like, really truly be healthy, right? You want to sleep for sure. Sleep. Right? You know, you need six to eight hours of sleep. Ask Justin. If he you're, knows. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're affecting your, you're like, if you're losing, let's say you're losing one or two hours of sleep a night. Right? Let's just say that. Now it's, you know, five to ten hours a week. Now you're losing 250 to 500 hours of sleep per year. Right? And you're going to say, oh, everything's fine. 500 hours of sleep lost? You know how that detriment? And that's like... And it's going to get worse, and it's progressive. And like, what happens in, in 20 years? She's lost 10,000 hours of sleep in 20 years. 10,000 hours of sleep because of what happened. Like, that's yeah. not normal. And they were also saying, like, before, which are before and how they were, don't just have a little bit of evidence. Like, oh, you know, I got it out. The testimony is out there. They're like, for every category, everything that you say have a wealth of evidence to back it up. Oh, you're forgetful. You know, it's inconvenient, inconvenience, you know, right? Just have other witnesses come and talk about every aspect that you can, not just you heard it. So check. It's like you, you have a story jury, for each damage, exactly, right? You get the jury to understand this, you know, your client's story, your client's life and how it affected them through the stories that you tell on each category and each issue. So, yeah, I think, Next trial, like, because the ones we have that are teed up, like, are 20 million plus asks, for sure. And we'll, and we'll have stories for each one. Because, like, physical pain is different from physical suffering, right? right? Physical suffering is different than mental anguish. Mental anguish is different from the loss of enjoyment of life. Like, all of these things are distinct, unique categories. Well, it's like we know, well, like we know that going in. I, I mean, well, like, I knew that, that coming here, but then I, and then I sit here and then I'm like, but really I don't really explain that well enough to the I jury. I think, yeah, like our damage focus is we like we do an okay job. You know, I keep thinking about Diana Sainfield Lopez. When they came in, she's like, she's 100% hurt. It was their fault. They gave all the medical bills and then was like no permanent injury. When she had a, a her disc removed from her neck, jamming in a prosthetic device. It's unnatural. You're not born with it. It has a failure rate. It's not, it's, it's not you know, it's going to get worse. And yet they were like, it's not a permanent injury. I actually brought that up about like having to get devices taken out today on a break. 
Um, cause I, I asked like, do you give ranges or just recommend a number? And generally it was recommend a number, but the, with the idea of the range, he was like, um, I think this was mad. He was just saying, generally it's like, well, I don't know if she, ladies and gentlemen, if she's going to need this device taken out and need that second surgery. I don't know. But if she does, you got to keep that in mind. Like we, because you, like can't, you have to give it to her now. Right, You've got to take care of her now. Bro, that shit was kind of making me sad. I got an artificial disc in my neck, and I'm like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, those things fail all the time. Then you got to have another few. I was like, what? Uh, I hope not. Um, uh, dude, I'm five years in. My disc is amazing. So, but but let me, someone was talking about, like, oh, like, if you have surgery and you get better. They're like, oh, it's ruined our case. And they were like, it doesn't ruin your case. You know what it does? It proves your case. Why? Because she was hurt. It was traumatic. She got surgery. And she got better, which meant what was causing her pain? The disc they took out. It wasn't something else. Like, people get concerned about that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, we were talking about the gym. It's a similar thing, but we brought up in one of our breakout groups the plaintiff who goes to the gym every day since the accident. You know, not maybe they missed a couple of weeks, but now they're back at it. And, like, not, it's not even about flipping the narrative and trying to pull a fast one. It's just being real about it. It's like, what would you expect them to do? Deteriorate into nothing now? They're not supposed to at least have a quality of life. Forget your health. It's That doesn't mean anything. You just have to clearly explain. That's why we're bringing up, like, have you gone Orange Theory? Have you talked to the trainer? Do you know what modifications he or she has had to make? Because I bet you they're lifting less or doing different exercises. Should have called the person from Orange Theory. Remember we had that with Meister. We had the, we didn't bring in the gymnastics thing. Like, she had to quit that. Like, we didn't, like... Too much can't come from the client, I think, is what I'm getting at. Like, the client is obviously of paramount importance. If the jury doesn't like your client or something, you're probably fucked. But not everything can come through, though. 100%. Well, like well bosses, it, bosses, employers, teachers to the extent, or professors, a, gym, a trainer in the gym. The point is, like, nobody is truly objective, impartial, no skin in the game. I mean, no skin in the game in a literal sense, yeah, but everyone's got some interest if they like the person. But it's like, it makes sense. Have the jury hear it. You could be five minutes on the stand. Who are you? I'm John Smith. What do you do? I'm a trainer at Orange Theory. How do you know the plaintiff? Uh, actually, she was my client before. And after. What's changed? Well, now she doesn't do this, this, and this, and this. Thank you. Goodbye. And, like, we don't... It's like, because it would only take five minutes, we decide, like, don't call the person. We don't even... It doesn't even occur to us when it's like, no, we should put them on the list, have them testify. Now the jury has that proof, not from the client, you know? So, I know we started talking about this earlier in the episode, but forget the geography for a minute, because there's people from Canada and all, all 50 states, it feels like. There's a lot more people here than I thought there would be. You know, it's like people, oh, yeah, I want to be a trial lawyer. I want to be a trial lawyer. There's a fuck ton of people here who are fully invested. I mean, what? Every morning we're starting at 830. Nobody's really done until four or five. The breaks are relatively short. And you're getting, like, real work in. It's not just fluff. And it's really cool to see that kind of enthusiasm from, from all these people. Like, really cool. Plus, there's a lot of people. There's some criminal stuff. There's some employment stuff going on. It's not all just uh, single plaintiff, you know, personal injury cases, although that's the majority. But it's, I don't know, it's exciting to see a lot of people out there who are eager to, to hone their craft. It really is. Yeah, man, you got to get better to do better. And so I think learning, I mean, that's how, like, everything is. Like, we've learned from, you know, watching people. We've learned from... God, just just doing it, you know, getting up there and trying different things. I mean, how many remember? You know, I mean, we did the opening in Marsh Gonzalez from the vantage point of the father, you know, like we that was something different. 
we did, <clears throat> we told the story like in Meister. It was like something different, you know, like a different vantage point. And sometimes it's like, it's good to be creative, see what works, see what doesn't. And this kind of, you know, reaffirms like, look, what are they doing? Is there some secret sauce? And a lot of times it's, it's not that there is a secret sauce. It's sometimes just like the way they do things, even though you're doing it, they just do it better. Yeah. Right? Like, so. Well, yeah. I mean, I saw PowerPoints today. There's not a single thing I saw on any of the PowerPoints. Not one. Whether it was a demonstrative, a timeline, how they chart out damages and categories. None of it. Nothing I saw was earth shattering. Like, we do all this. Their PowerPoint, though, is like a 10 out of 10. Ours is like a 4 out of 10. Visually. I'm talking about just graphically. And like it, it's such a small thing or like an easy thing to overlook and be like, this is sufficient. But I'm telling you, when I get the slide deck from the Panish front, I mean, this shit is otherworldly. It's like a professional made it. Yeah, that's I mean, and now I, I build the PowerPoints. That are pretty, so that's always, you know, Joey's like, yeah, yeah he's like, four like, out of ten. Like, what do you say What's this Christmas tree, kids? red and green? Listen, we've been building them together for years. This is my point, is that like, we need to be thinking bigger picture, but. That shit is fire. Average at best. What? <laughs> what is that? Average at best. Yeah, Listen. Like, what are you saying about my PowerPoint? Man. No, crazy. I'm telling you, wait till you see it. It's... I'll just say this. One of my biggest critiques, remember, second week with y'all was Marsha Gonzalez was, I was like, oh, we, we can work on those graphics. Like the, yeah, the, the graphics. The, the 100%. I, I've told this to, I think I've told it to you, I know I've told it to Ray, was like, you guys are the ear candy. Let me help be the eye candy. I love that kind of thing just to i and i want all of that help like the next trial we need to just rework it all we have mm. the right ideas we just need them packaged better also he, I don't, can i stop for a second i just think it's funny justin's talking out in vegas how he let me be the eye candy i'm like all right we got you justin <laughs> why not <I'm, laughs> no, it's just funny oh did we mention we were in vegas Oh, yeah. I Did think so. Yeah, I think we told him. Oh. That. Yeah, we're in my Vegas. Pockets well, that's why Vegas he's yawning sure. the whole time, because we're in Vegas. Yeah, well, for some reason, I decided to stay on East Coast time out here yeah. in Vegas, so I'm in bed by 9.30, up at 3.30. Yeah. Hey, we're getting workouts, yeah. good breakfast. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, yeah, I'm at the gym. I'm literally, four, you know? I'm like up, turn the TV on at 4.30. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's like normal day. It's East Coast already up and moving. <laughs> right. Hit the gym by 6, you know? Yeah, it was 4 o'clock this morning. I'm on the phone with my sister. Like... Listen, it's like 6.39. I'm ready to go to bed. All right? Let's just be real. Yeah, I mean, it's, but it's, the thing is, it's because we're like mentally stimulating our brains and, you know, man, I'm going to, you know, my PowerPoint sucks, man. My, my feelings, I don't, I don't my feelings are hurt. No, I'm just going to let y'all know. My feelings are hurt right now. You should be excited because what matters is the, like the date of the content we're doing or the ideas of like how we are laying it out. All of that we're doing, I'm just saying... It's the next level graphically. That's all. And, you know, th he said it very, <laughs> very plainly. He was like, this is not magic. This is every defense lawyer you've ever met, the best ones that, with their presentations. It's still just a PowerPoint. It's still, generally speaking, text on page, text on slide. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you, like, take yourself out of that world, like, so that when the, by the time the defense gets up, whatever they put up visually is so just uninviting and boring that the jury doesn't want to hear it. You didn't like my it. occipital lobes? I mean, you got to learn how to do Prezi. Lobes. I'm so sorry. And you got to uh, learn how to do it's Prezi. Yeah. No, I'm not doing Prezi. I'm a they pop. did theirs. On, what's the one on Apple? What is it called? Uh, Kino. 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 That's what they did. Kino. I'm telling you, I do Prezi every mediation, and I've been settling at mediation. You have. You've been on fire. Shout out to Keela, by the way. She has been on fire. Really, <laughs> closing cases, and not just like for the sake of it, but 
the challenging cases, cases where there wasn't coverage, you got people, individual defendants to pay. That's a tremendous accomplishment. <laughs> Why do I feel like with this microphone, I want to just start jamming into my head like Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> <laughs> like, really, while we're sitting here. So if you, for those of you that can see the video on the podcast, we're actually having handheld mics because we're traveling. And so you can envision me as Leonardo DiCaprio screaming and then jamming it into the side of my forehead. That's, that's what I feel like I should be doing right now. You going to the costume party tonight, by the way? <laughs> no. Come on, man. I don't have you a co- didn't bring a costume? I don't have a costume. You could dress up as defense lawyers. I could. <laughs> we don't have uh, the I don't have a jellyfish you know. costume. No spine. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> then I just come in. What are you? Like, I'm a defense lawyer or I have a TBI because my soul has been amputated. <laughs> no, man. It's really like... I'm I'm excited and, and supercharged and like it, it, what it reaffirms and one of the like like stupid things like having a goal, like setting goals and like we have goals but generally I, I don't think we have goals. We haven't set goals of saying this is where I want the firm to be. This is where the growth I want to do. This is how much I want to work. You know. That's part of the reason why like we're starting like monthly. We need to just get together. All of us need to be on the same page about what we're trying to accomplish. Right. And we don't. Again, fi- this is the point, John. We don't Taking our suit- fucking heads out of the weeds. All of us. Like, I really wish Ray was here to see this because, like, I'm leaving with some bigger picture shit. Man, like, I got, bottom a, I got line. a baby on the coming on the way, man. I'm out in, like, five months. Y'all going to be like, bad, three months of paternity leave. All right, man. I'm put, you got it from March to June. <laughs> Don't see. Although I say that, I'm going to be in the office like, all right, I got to go. Like, two kids <laughs> and the baby. Exactly. I know you're going to be in there. Exactly. Oh, man. But. No, like, I, I think it is, like, bigger picture stuff and, like, knowing, like, look, like, what we've done and where we've grown, it's, like, it, I think we have tremendous accomplishment as a firm, but it's, like, you know, it's almost like maintaining that momentum, right? Yeah. And coming to these kind of things is, like, get you that momentum, can go back and regroup, you know, put some things in place. If we've got to get, you know, like, I, when I was talking to Jason Arnold right at the end there, he was, like, look, what we do and what it, because I was, like, look, man, like, what clicked, what happened, you know, you, he was, like, honestly, we just kept reinvesting in the firm. He's like, I didn't go out and buy like fancy cars, all that kind of shit. Like, I brought in better people. We're training the younger lawyers, and like, you know, like I want to start being in a position where I'm not so bogged down in the weeds that we can do that, right? Like, I can train more. You know, I'm a more trial by fire kind of guy. You know, I I give like insiders like, hey, here's the outline I did the depot. Like, figure it out. You know, instead of saying, look, these are the kind of things you want to look for. Let's do the direct of an expert. Let's do the cross of an expert. Let's do all these kind of things. Let's talk about spinal injuries. Like, let's impart my knowledge onto you. You know. And I think part of it's because, like, re- the realistically, it was when we started, I didn't have much in terms of a mentor. Look, life is demanding. Owning a business is demanding. And practicing law is demanding. When you combine those things, it's hard. You know, but I think if we all come out of here on the same page in terms of, like, strategically, what, what are the best next steps to take, and we do it collectively as a team, we'll get there. Like... That's, I, I have no concern. It's not going to be a people issue for us. It's not a time issue. There's enough time in the day. It's just about reorganizing and reprioritizing. And I think if we just like really make some subtle tweaks, I really believe this, the next 18, 24 months could be 10, 20x what we've done historically with just small changes. Yeah. We've got the greatest clients. We've got the greatest commitment to them and like getting the case done the right way. Now we have just a few more tools, I feel like, in our arsenal and... I'm excited. Like, I actually want to come back next year. I mean, obviously, I want to hear more people speak. That's the one downside of these. You, get, you know, it's limited. It's like, yeah, choose between the three greatest people. You go and see one. It sucks. They're going to make it available for, like, to it, you know. Still, I like, mean, I this. Booked, remember, we were going to go to the Paris Trial College. Yeah. And we booked it, and I, got, I had on-demand 
Max, I've watched like one. But still, there's di- I want to be in the room. You know, there's yeah. something different. There's something special about yeah. being in the room. So when we come back next year, and hopefully Ray can join us, I want to be in a position where I can literally go find Matt cool. or John or Eric and be like, hey, thank you, by the way, because in the last year I incorporated this, in the last three trials we hit, you know? By the way, do you know the musical group Ace of Bass? Dude, I I don't know why this is where my mind is randomly going. When you said life is demanding, I thought of the the song I saw the sign because she says life is demanding or something like without understanding. (laughs) And by the way, I I don't have I might have a TBI like I fell upstairs. And no, I haven't had any gummies, uh, you know, but I don't know. I just I thought as soon as you said that, I was like, isn't that from somewhere I know? I was like, I think it's an Ace of Bass song. Dude, I literally was, I was like, I sang it. I was like, that's what you said. I was like, who is that? And I figured out the song. It was impressive, right? You know? Yeah, I'm a, spa- as a, to quote Lewis, I'm squirrel, right? That's where my mind goes. And that's, that's. You're that's, the squirrel from Ice Age or whatever that was, that prehistoric. <laughs> yeah, chasing. Oh, man. But no, I mean, I try to stay like, you know, like loose, man, you know? So my mind can, can come up with stuff. You know what? But I think that that trait is what makes me adaptable, like in trial. Because remember in Marsha, remember when, like, for the first time, I don't know why we found out for the first time in the trial when they had the video and the nurse was like, if your dizziness is still getting worse, like, let us know. Yeah. And the, the, but the dizziness was in the medical records. And they were like, I was like, what did they just say? Oh, they told her if they're, you know, if your dizziness is getting worse. Like, I think that was a really powerful moment because the defense was like, there's no dizziness. Their experts were like, there's no dizziness. I was like, yeah, but we, if we had identified that earlier, we could have used it with all their defense yeah, experts. Yeah, I'd have been like showing the video. Like, look in the video. She was having nerves, and they're like, oh, well, that's just because she got up because of her blood pressure. I mean, that's what they kind of said. Right. Hypo, what's it? Hypo what? I don't remember. You remember from Dara, from Hannah. Hypo, I know, I just don't remember. Hypo, hypo, going to figure it out later. Hypopotamus. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's when you're hyper or hypo in terms of your blood pressure. I can't think of the, the the term for it, but there's a specific term for it. That's what they said it was based upon. So, I mean, look, the reality is, is like, I'm looking at it like I should, my goal was to be a presenter in five years. Okay. I like that. You know, like to like be, and, and, and not even that is like, like we've talked about, it's like, you know, we're going to be doing like these, like the prison negligence cases. Nobody takes, no, like, is there anything about here? Nothing about that. No. Although, interestingly, there was some we had some discussion like on breaks in my breakout room today because somebody had a, a case where they were concerned their client was like tatted head to toe all over the face, hands, you name it. Not like something a turtleneck and a little makeup's going to cover up. And he had like 14 or 15 felonies. But besides those characteristics of the case, it was a great case with tons of coverage. And he was we – where I was talking about, I was like, it's those types of cases – kind of fall into like that unsympathetic from the outside looking in plaintiff cases that's like a prisoner often you know like your first impression is this but it's like i think you just got to embrace it yeah. and you got to really just ferret out all the bias you can and voir dire oh, you're talking about jerks like people with tattoos but you also i think address it right like i think what a lot of people do and i think it's a mistake is identify the things that make them uncomfortable and then ignore it because it's uncomfortable. Right. And you have to address that in the trial. If when you, if you think those tattoos are fill in the blank, however you feel about it, then someone on your jury, no matter how well you did voir dire, they might, they might be a great juror, but they have these biases. Right. And so you just address it. You know, it's like, 
somebody told a story earlier, but I have the, a similar story about a client that just, you know, we were not on the same page, right? The only thing that we are on the same page about is going to trial. That is what we're on the same page about. And I knew that the jury um, could see one that he was out there, right? Like he was, and two, not faking that we have a relationship. It, you have to be genuine in front of the jury. And if you think your client looks, you know, a little out of the world, <laughs> address it, you yeah. know, and in, you know, when I, I first totally got the opportunity agree. to talk in front of the jury, it's like, listen, you might not be inviting him to dinner. Like none of that matters. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, on some level, our credibility as the lawyers matters almost more than the, the clients, believe it or not. Because if we lose our credibility, the case is over regardless, you know, versus if the jury is left with the impression that we're legit, even if they're like a little suspect. Hey, just talk to them. Be like, I'm afraid my client has tattoos from head to toe. And I'm afraid that because of that, he's not going to get a fair trial. So I need to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on people that have tattoos? Do you think that, you know, and, and I mean, and I'm talking a lot, but just ask them. But even, but just hearing that the person signed that case up and is not like intimidated, but they're just looking for the, the best solution. How many people would turn that case down? I'm just saying the group of people here, like, I love that. That's not just like, I mean, look. It's not just like, oh, I signed up a truck wreck paraplegic case. I was just wondering, how do you think, you know, those cases are tend to be a little bit more straightforward, as tragic as they are. But this is a tragic case with, like, objectively some hurdles. And instead of just running from the obstacles, they're embracing it. I just, I don't know. I love that. That, that kind of shit gets me excited, you know? Yeah, I mean, we've had clients like that, you know, and it played out well in Depot, you know? Yeah. About, he's like, I know what I look like. He's like, you think I... You know, I'm not cognizant of that. When people look at me, like I'm not even—I don't care about myself. I worry about my daughter, you know, and what she, you know, and what she has to deal with because of how I look, you know. And I thought it was pretty powerful. Like it was a very human moment, and that was like, you know, that's the kind of thing you need is like get people beyond that, recognize you have a good case, and you know, go fight for them, man. I think it's like to piggyback a little bit of what you're saying, Jordan. Like the people here seem to be passionate about what we do you know it's not just the big numbers learn how to get there but why are you getting there it's very client-centered right and you know making sure you're following up with that client why because in order to help you I need your help you know and that's I mean we're always telling clients that right like I need your help as much as you know you need me um listen we have real life experience I was on the outside looking in mostly so I was like second chair but that first seven-figure settlement we got for that elementary school teacher, that was because you were doing back then what all of these titans are telling us today to do. The car wreck with the landscaping truck. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You were at their house. There, Central Florida. In the hospital. In the, no, but I mean, like, but not just for the sake of it. And then you went to mediation, and you took an adjuster and a defense lawyer who I legit think were ready to just tell us, thanks for coming. There's a sandwich here when you hit the road. And got them to pay $2 million. I, I told you back then what a remarkable result it was. But now it's like really smacking me in the face. Like, yo, what the fuck? It, 
John did that. I mean, you've done it more than that. I'm not, but like that was a case that stands out. You did exactly what these people are telling you to do. Yeah, and I, it paid I went off. to their home. Like we broke bread all the time. Did the day in the life video. I mean, we didn't. You need almost that. got people to tears with your mediation presentation. And I'll be real, we don't have a lot of that going on. And I'm like, we can be real about it. Like that's not how every mediation is going. And I'm not suggesting every case is gonna like have the facts. That warrant that kind no, of but that that allowed me the opportunity to like know the layout of the hospital room, know how he was, watched him do therapy. I remember the therapist came in to watch him get out of bed. You know, just watching that. You know, they had a wound vac. You know, and it's like seeing all these things in person. I remember one. Remember, I had to fly out somewhere, and I drove up the, like the night before, and then like drove home. Oh, like gas. So again, I think we know intuitively what the right thing and is. That's the way to do it. But we need to like, and I'm gonna. I need you to hold me accountable and I'm going to hold both of you and Ray accountable. Like when I say like, take your head out of the weeds, remember the big picture here. That's what, that's, what's going to get the best result for all our clients. So yeah. I'm excited for tomorrow. I wish, you know, I'm excited to get back home and see, see my wife and kids, but this has been, I'm glad that the sacrifice of time to travel someplace, cause everything is by zoom nowadays. Like it's so easy to just sit back and be like, let me press play when it's convenient for me. And there's something to be said for that. Fine. But, Coming out here was definitely the right choice. Yeah, 100%. I'm very excited. Well, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't know because I wouldn't press play. I'd be in the weeds. I'd be like, discovery. Yeah. Well, and Deadlines I, and Yeah, and it's like, that. that's why, and I think about it, it's like, you know, the motion, I'm like, oh, why didn't I file something for the eight months I had it, and then the judge switched, and then didn't get the relief I needed because I took too long. And if you have other people handling it, you don't have to deal with that. So. All right, so. Thanks for checking in with us out of Trial Lawyer University uh, out here in Vegas. It's been a good conference. We're excited to keep it going, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks for jumping in. Bye. There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company. And the truth shall set you free. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Great moments are born from great opportunity.